Welcome to another edition of Rick and Bubba University, the podcast. A standalone 45-minute conversation most every week. Uh, Bubba and I, Professors Burgess and Bussey, uh, you know, are, as folks out there are trying to earn a degree in common sense, of course, that now is superpower. Uh, Bubba, today we are going to jump right in on a topic that has been hanging over our country and really our world, uh, you know, for three years. Uh, we remember the, the pandemic uh, 2020 uh, on uh, March of 2020 when the world shut down for a couple of weeks, uh, and then uh, it, that, that turned out not to be true. Uh, we had, uh, you know, a, a lot of uh, uh, people crying out, do something, do something. There was fear of death and all this, and these vaccines started being developed. And um, so we're going to talk today to uh, orthopedic surgeon, Dr. Joel Walscog, who's our guest. Uh, Doc, welcome to Rick and Bubba University. How are you today, sir? I'm fantastic. Thank you both for having me. Well, uh, doctor, you, you have a very unusual story, and because you are a doctor, I think that, that even highlights your story more. And, and we have a lot of questions we want to ask you about your situation and about the pandemic in general. But let's start with your story. Share with everybody what happened to you. Well, I was a pretty busy orthopedic surgeon. I specialized in joint replacement. I probably saw about 6,000 patients in clinic every year and did about eight to 900 surgical procedures a year, mostly joint replacements. But you know, I'd been in my practice for about 20 years. I had a very, what I would say is mature practice. Uh, it was great. And then, you know, the pandemic hit and we got shut down. And then in June of 2000, when was that? 2020, I uh, was part of a study looking to see who had been exposed to to COVID, and and I got a blood test looking for antibodies, and I was negative. And then, uh, so I know I had not been exposed to COVID at least uh, as of the summer of 2020. And then moving into September, uh, every person in my clinic, and I had a pretty large team, everyone in my team got COVID and was out sick, but I kept working. So after pretty much literally every person on my team in the clinic got COVID, I decided to get antibody tested again, and I was positive. So I basically had an asymptomatic uh, case of COVID. So I looked up on the computer, you know, what do I do? Uh, and according to the CDC, which was kind of, you know, part of the healthcare system and the regulatory, federal regulatory agencies that I trusted, it said, wait, you know, three months and get your shot. Uh, I should have put two and two together because obviously at that point, I probably had natural immunity. But sure. again, uh, I can't change the past. I can only move forward. Mm -hmm. And then in early December, uh, a good friend of mine got COVID, got no early treatment, pretty much got admitted late, got intubated early, uh, just really, in retrospect, got every wrong treatment. And he almost died. And I would say that kind of shook me a little bit. Sure. So when we get to the end of December of 2020, I when my three months came up after my positive test. Uh, I got, I was part of that 1A group, early group and healthcare workers. I got my one and only Moderna shot and, and I'm a pretty healthy, active guy. You know, I work 60 to 70 hours a week, very active. I water ski, you know, do all different water sports. Uh, and uh, the shot was uneventful, but about five to seven days later, I told my wife, uh, you know, my feet were numb. And then within a few days after that, I I started, I fell at work and I had problems walking. So I clearly knew something more ominous was going on. And then I ended up having uh, an MRI and a big workup. And I have a, uh, 
a lesion on my thoracic spinal cord and it's called transverse myelitis. So it's a demyelinated lesion. So the myelin is the protective sheath around the nerves that helps them transmit electrical impulses. And for me, uh, that lesion that started, you know, that I noticed uh, or became symptomatic five to seven days after my shot um, really has changed my life. You know, I, my neurologist said, uh, try to, you know, take a three months off work. I said, I'd take two weeks off because I'm a pretty double A type personality, but sure. even with uh, taking time off and even with a bunch of treatments that I received and medications, uh, I never got better. So uh, unfortunately I tried to go back to work. It was a dismal failure in enemy uh, in bed for two days, mm. just from working part days. And since that time I've medically retired. So, wow. so doctor, do you do you attribute the vaccine to this problem, or was this a problem you already had, or did the vaccine uh, make the problem worse? What 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 are your thoughts on it today? Yeah. Um, so, transverse myelitis and other neurological adverse events are the most common adverse events after the COVID shots. They just are, and. There's numerous case reports across the country of people with transverse myelitis around the world with transverse myelitis after the shots. The problem is, is our, you know, FDA and CDC just don't recognize these neurological events. I want to be clear. I was totally healthy until five to seven days after the shot. The only medication I took was uh, a testosterone injection once a week for low testosterone. Otherwise, I was 100% healthy until five to seven days after the shot. So absolutely, I attribute my symptoms and my diagnoses, and there's more. You know, now I take about 25 medicines a day. Mm. Um, so if people remember back, AstraZeneca was another type brand of COVID shot. Right. And the AstraZeneca trial in the United Kingdom back in 2019, 2020, got put on pause twice for three cases of transverse myelitis. And I personally know now numerous people across the country that have transverse myelitis and, and frankly, other neurological complications, which our government still doesn't attribute to the shots. Yeah, I, I was looking here, and we'll talk more uh, about this going forward, uh, this REACT-19 that you've started, and you're saying just you alone are representing 30,000 Americans seriously injured by the COVID-19 shots. You, you, you mentioned something interesting in your story, and Bubba and I have talked about this a lot on our main show. We notice in our own medical doctor experiences that they would tell us one thing, and then it would change. The, the narrative would change. And I'll give you an example. I, too, had what was mostly, other than me losing taste, asymptomatic episode with the first COVID strand. I didn't have, never have had any of the others, but I had the first one and I, and I would have never known I was sick if I had not been exposed, got tested and, and lost my smell and my, my taste, but I didn't feel bad. I didn't really struggle. And my doctor at that time said to me verbatim, good news. We're noticing some T cells are showing that you probably will have long-term immunity. So this 90-day thing you're hearing is not accurate. And I thought, okay, good. Well, I mean, it wasn't long to all of a sudden this same doctor was telling me to take the vaccine. And I said, well, wait a minute. I said, you just told me that I have natural immunity and you're seeing that 
T-cells are showing that they are filing it away like our body is designed to do for long-term immunity. And he said, well, now we really think now that you take that shot and it'll help your immunity be even stronger. Well, thankfully, I, I did not listen to that and did not do it. So it was almost like we were getting con- confusing, conflicting information even from the medical field. Oh, Rick, I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, again, looking back, what was I thinking? And believe me, you, you know, your audience certainly can be critical of me, and I've been critical myself. And, and I haven't gone public about my experience for myself, believe me. I am, you know, I'd, I'd rather just disappear in an early medical retirement, enjoy myself mm. as much as I can. I'm doing this to really advocate for all those that are injured that have no voice. So you're right. You know, the, the medical establishment has really, in this situation, been anti-science. Again, natural immunity is real. Early treatment, I think there's very good science behind that. And, you know, historical regulatory norms have been ignored. So in most products that come out on the market, they're, they're, they're considered to be unsafe and ineffective until proven otherwise. In this situation, it's assumed that it's safe and effective. And I, I can't stand those words because they're, they're too simplistic in the situation. The other thing is, is there, there's two other regulatory norms that have been ignored in this pandemic and, and around the shots, which is never test experimental products in children and never test experimental product products in pregnant women. Those two regulatory norms have also been completely ignored by our federal regulatory agencies uh, regarding the COVID shots. Uh, but go, go ahead, doctor. Oh, I was going to say, but continue a little bit of uh, what you were saying, Rick. You know, I'm very, very disappointed and I'm very critical of of the healthcare community of today because they don't, you know, I wrote a paper once, it was called The Employed Physician, The End of Healthcare. And <laughs> as more and more of our physicians across the country have gone out of private practice and in an, into an employed uh, yep. status where they're employed by a large health organization, yep. they're no longer scientists. They're just doing what the company yep. tells them to do. Uh, you know, again, when I always say if, if someone tells you just, oh, your provider says the words, quote, safe and effective, end quote, I always say run because it's much more complicated than that. You have to delve into the data yourself about the safety and efficacy of these vaccines. Doc, my experience is very similar to Rick's. I had it. Um, I had antibody test. I had high antibodies. My physician, who I trusted very much, who had been a very good personal physician for me told me to wait 90 days and then get the shot. Literally called back the next day and said, go get the vaccine. I said, well, we just talked yesterday. And you said, don't. And you said, well, we got new new science on this today. And through the conversation, I said, you don't have new science. You got a, you got an edict sent down from the managed health care company. He said, well, something like that. So yeah. I, did, I did not heed that advice, and I did not get it. And I'm glad I didn't now. Um, and is that, is that part of the problem? Cause you just touched on that is the structure of our healthcare that we now have major corporations who own hospitals, who own doctor's offices, and they employ these doctors and they are barking down the medical decisions for literally hundreds or thousands of doctors, as opposed to doctors being able to treat their customers or their patients the way they want to. Bubba, absolutely. I think that is a core issue or the 
part of the core problem here is 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 really the independent physician that was science based that looked at data that read journals. Uh, they're a thing of the past. You know, I'm going to use my prior employer, Advocate Aurora Healthcare. So I worked for Aurora Healthcare out of Wisconsin. They joined Advocate in Chicago, and now they joined with Atrium in North Carolina, and they're the fifth largest health organization representing thousands and thousands of physicians. So what they can do is set up, you know, practice norms, which then, you know, tell their providers how to practice and have expectations on how they're practicing. I encourage your listeners, man, go out, try to find some independent physicians out yep. there that can think on their own and to really delve. We're supposed to be, as a physician, you're supposed to be a scientist. We're supposed to look at data. Right. Um, and, and again, stay away from the corporate revenue-based healthcare providers. We'll be back. Uh, we'll continue our conversation with Dr. Joel Walsgog when this edition of Rick and Bubba University continues. This is the Rick and Bubba Show. Watch more at blazetv.com slash Rick and Bubba. Rick and Bubba, Rick and Bubba. All right, so we're back on Rick and Bubba University. Dr. Joel Walsgog is our, is our guest, and, and he uh, was an orthopedic surgeon, a healthy, active guy, uh, took uh, the, uh, the original vaccine, and unfortunately there was an insult to his health, and Doc, don't let me exaggerate, that has made it, impossible for you to continue as an orthopedic surgeon. That is true. Doctor, let me ask you this, following up on, on what we were talking about, if, um, uh, far as symptoms also, what, what are you seeing in the blood clot area? Um, because yeah. we, we are hearing a lot about blood clots. We've had Dr. Vaughn on, who is a UAB trained physician, and he's really been specialized in this long COVID and looking at blood clots in the capillaries. He says, you know, normally they look for blood clots that are larger, but he's finding small blood clots in the capillaries that are, are causing a lot of problems. Uh, what, what is your experience with that? Well, uh, I really think our knowledge about those adverse events are really becoming, you know, much more, uh, it's much better. I mean, again, there, there's a lot of people that get large clots, when we say large clots, I would say macro clots, macro meaning larger. Right. But there's a lot of people that get what you're referring to as micro clotting, which is small, little teeny blood clots that often can't be seen in a typical like ultrasound or typical scan. Um, you know, but there's a ton of blood clotting issues, you know, with a lot of these shots. And, you know, why I'm not positive, but certainly it can cause a lot of clotting and also a lot of damage uh, we call endothelial damage. The endothelium is the inner lining of the the blood vessels, and those often those also seem to be damaged uh, through the COVID shots, and to some degree uh, through COVID itself. Uh, again, whether some of you know what we're experiencing is we, what we call as a spike protein disease. Right. And I want to be empathetic. You know, there's a lot of people out there that have a lot of long COVID, and I feel for them. You know, our advocacy organization isn't isn't to support them, but I, I definitely will when we do work with some long COVID organizations. But you know, there's a poss there's a possibility that you know a lot of our symptoms in the COVID, the uh, the shot injured group um, are similar to some of the long COVID, and it may be related to some of it may be related to this spike protein disease, where you know they chose the spike protein as as the antigen or right. the 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 
the product to, to develop the immune response to. And unfortunately, our body, you know, can really attack that uh, spike protein very aggressively and cause clotting and blood vessel damage. Yeah, that's what Dr. Vaughn laid out. And he said, so then when you compound that with booster after booster after booster, he said, you are just bombarding the body and now you're overwhelming its its ability to take this on. Thus, all this micro clotting and 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 also um, uh, the macro clotting. I mean, I've seen them pull them out of people. It almost looks like a a, bl- a bloody thing of of, yeah. of of pearls. You know, just little clots all in a line connected. Did you get pushback to begin with, Doc? When you started saying you had problems, did they try to convince you that that was that was because you? actually had, even though it was asymptomatic COVID, it has nothing to do with the shot. What was the first reaction to you trying to tie it to the shot and saying, I, th- I, I have been injured by the shot? Yeah, well, that's, okay, you bring up, I'm going to give you a couple of good stories here. So yeah. that's a great question. So number one is I didn't think about it right away. I just thought I had transverse myelitis from nothing, but it, it it, it, it took me about a week or two, Rick, where I thought in my brain, oh, I remember you know, that AstraZeneca trial in the UK got delayed for those three cases of transverse myelitis. And I started looking into it. And then I started kind of piecing everything together in the time frame of five to seven days and all this other stuff. So, um, so when I approached my neurologist, and, and I'm going to, I'm going to quote him verbatim. I said, Hey, um, Dr. X, do you think that the shot could be related to uh, my symptoms? And I'm going to quote him and it's quote, Joel, I don't want to get involved End quote. There you go. And, and, and all of us, 95 plus percent of the injured are, are gaslit. And what does that mean? Our providers just don't want to get involved, deny that there's VAX related injuries, uh, or, or frankly, just don't have any idea of what to do about it, the available diagnostics and treatments. The other thing I want to talk to you about is censorship a little bit. And, and that's another uh, way I was kind of, they tried to penalize me. So uh, I worked for, as I said, Advocate Aurora Healthcare, and I was on medical leave because uh, my neurologist still wanted to wait about two years until he said, okay, Joel's not getting any better. This is, he's permanently disabled. So uh, as, as you probably understand, I'm pretty public about this, advocating for these injured people. Right. Again, our organization has over 30,000 people that are seriously injured by the COVID shots here in the United States. And uh, I I know my employer uh, was not, is not, and has not been very happy with my advocacy work. I bet. And after I was gone and and literally still employed technically, because I'm on an extended medical leave, but had not worked for one day after I was gone for a year and a half, I got a notice that they were investigating me for prescribing irregularities going back several years. Wow. So it, it's the, the claim was baseless, but the statement was clear, which to me was shut up and go away. So um, that's the kind of stuff we go through. Doctor, let, let me ask you this. The CDC, the Center for Disease Control, is, as you said, they're the top rung. They're the governing body that's supposed to be leading uh, medical treatment and research in our country. Uh, And one of their primary goals is to have us prepared for a pandemic response. Did they fail us? They absolutely failed. I mean, in retrospect, what did they do right? (laughs) I was going to ask you that. (laughs) What did we do right and what did we do wrong based on what the CDC told us? 
Okay, well, we we shut down our global economy unnecessarily. Uh, we used product. Well, first of all, we ignored medical products and early treatment things like ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, etc. Uh, we ignored them. So, and we we basically said they were horse dewormers so that we could get an emergency authorization because you can't get an emergency authorization to use a experimental shot if there are commercially available products, right. which there were. Right. So they have to say that ivermectin hydroxychloroquine is a horse dewormer, even though it's one of the safest medicines in the history of Western civilization. We get this emergency authorization, which I think was completely unnecessary. Then we get these shots that are untested, unproven. And then as the data starts rolling out with regards to the safety of the shots, we ignore it. The people that got injured in good faith trying to get the shot, doing what they thought was the right thing, we ignore them. Then the shots don't work. I mean, who doesn't know somebody <laughs> that had a shot that had COVID after right. one, two, three times? And despite that, they keep telling them, get more shots. Yeah. And then we have these regulatory agencies like the FDA and CDC who have a conflict of interest. They're supposed to be protecting us from drugs and medical devices, yet they're the actual ones that are promoting them, which is a huge conflict of interest. Yes. Um, then, you know, what happens is then we mandate, okay, we mandate these vaccines, which I believe is unconstitutional. Um, and then we also mandate these for kids, which is anti-science. Kids don't need these shots. Kids die from these shots. Kids don't die from COVID. If you get COVID as a child, okay, the risk statistically is zero of dying from COVID. But yet we mandated them. We've injured a bunch of kids across the country. I know a ton of them. I know several families that have dead children. They never get to the media because the media won't uh, put their story. I mean, I guess I could go on and on. I just think, <laughs> in retrospect, we didn't do anything right. Doc, let, let me ask you this, because and I'll tell you where I'm coming from on this. I, I'm an American. I'm a patriot. Uh, I love the free enterprise system. Uh, I, I love what our country has done historically. And I, I had a lot of great teachers growing up. But did we fall victim to politics, big drug company money, and labor unions, primarily the teachers union, in this disaster that we call COVID-19? Well, Baba, I'm, I'm going to tell you, a year ago, I would have said we felt victim to greed and the search for power and control. But I, I think there's something much bigger we're up against. I think we're up pure. We're up against pure evil. Um, I think there's an overlying, arching thing going on here about. You know, through a little bit of fear, we gave up our liberty. We gave up no control. Doubt. No doubt. And I think there's a bigger thing at play here, and I call it just evil. But again, in, in a practical perspective, when you get underneath the umbrella of evil, I think it's the pharma money. Okay. So the pharma money, you know, goes to the politicians. And our politicians are funded <laughs> a big part by the pharma money. Our scientific journals Okay, so everyone says, well, is there a paper on that? Well, the paper, the, the scientific journal industry is corrupted by pharma money. The media, 
Okay, the mainstream media completely corrupted. I mean, who does hasn't watched a you know drug company ask your doctor about this medication? It's every five minutes on the TV. Yeah. Media is corrupted by pharma. Um, so if you and it goes into I, I, higher education systems, teachers unions, like you said. So the pharma money is is pervasive and it is a toxin, is a cancer in our in our country, in our world, actually. And, and yeah. they've done some good things too. They've developed some things that you know we, I mean, are are modern miracles. But it can get out of control, right? Right. That's why, if you look on the FDA mission statement, the mission of the Federal Drug Administration is to protect the public from drugs and medical devices. Okay. So I'm not saying pharma companies them by by nature are evil. We need drugs. We need new cancer therapies. Sure. But one thing I will tell you, we also have a regulatory system that is part of that system, and and it's all failed and collapsed and failed the American public. We come back. Situation. Yeah, when we come back, we're going to talk about React 19. You you've mentioned it in passing in the interview, but we're going to get in in detail of how this was created, and what you hope to be able to accomplish as an advocate for those injured by the vaccine when Rick and Bubba University, the podcast, continues. So every day we hear about another brand selling out their customers and going woke. Americans, let's be honest, we're sick and tired of feeling like every time we're funding you know, uh, another um, leftist propaganda group uh, because we got to have service. But then, as you and I have said, Bubba, if you're going to boycott or whatever, you better have somewhere to go. Yeah. Uh, are you, it's going to be hard to be consistent. Well, here's good news. Uh, look, there's a lot of woke mobile companies out there, but you have a choice. Patriot Mobile. I'm getting emails about this. People saying, look, I'm tired of it. We're going to do it. Look, for years, uh, the wireless uh, and mobile companies have been dumping millions into liberal causes. Uh, and uh, and we, we know that you know, we all need a cell phone. you got to have it. We know we, we want these services. And you think there's no alternative, but there is. Patriot Mobile is America's only Christian conservative wireless provider offering dependable nationwide coverage on all three major networks. So you get the same coverage that you've been accustomed to in your area, but minus all the leftist propaganda. So if you want to be with a company that uh, supports free speech, religious freedom, the sanctity of life, the Second Amendment, the Constitution, the military, our veterans, and our first responders, well, they're standing by ready to help you. And if you don't think it's better, they'll switch you back, okay? And you can even keep your own phone number. So uh, go uh, to a U.S.-based company. Go to PatriotMobile.com. That's PatriotMobile.com slash Rick Bubba. PatriotMobile.com slash Rick Bubba. Rick and Bubba University, the podcast, Dr. Joel Walsgog is our, our guest um, in, in React 19. So we've heard your story, Doc, and and you said you could have just gone off into, you know, a disability and and lived out your life, but, but you just couldn't do it. And React 19 uh, has been your response. Let everyone know about React 19 and what's available and what you guys are doing. Well, thanks for the opportunity, Rick. So I'm the co-chair of React 19. React 19 is a 501c3 nonprofit organization. We're science-based. We're very grassroots. We are a non-political organization. Uh, we're, we're an advocacy organization to support and give ho- really hope and support to those Americans that were injured by their COVID shots. We started this organization in November of 2021 
and now have really expanded from 10 people. Now we represent, and I say, unfortunately, over 30,000 Americans that are injured by their COVID shots. Uh, we have three main pillars of our organization. We're here to give them uh, financial, physical, and emotional support. And I'm proud to say that we're developing a fourth pillar, which is uh, spiritual support. Uh, financially, uh, if you're injured by your COVID shots, you are truly abandoned. Uh, you know, there's something called the CICP or the Countermeasures Injury Compensation Program, which is what the COVID shots fall into. So if you're injured, you can apply to this program. As of June, when I saw the numbers last, the there have been four injured Americans, four compensated through the CICP. That's for a total of less than, or for a total of about $8,500. Wow. It's horrible. I mean, four people, and there are thousands that are injured. They just need financial help. So we started something called a care fund. I wish we could do more, but we've given out well over half a million dollars uh, with an average grant to people of about $6,800. And, uh, you know, I could just tell you the need. We we opened our care fund again. It was closed over the summer because we kind of ran out of money, but I just reopened it on Monday. And on Monday, we got 28 applications or 29 now in, in really 24 hours. So the need of these people financially is is immense. And these are people that are truly devastated. Physically, what we've done is we've created care networks, uh, like a medical provider network and a mental health provider network. As I explained before, uh, trying to find a provider that doesn't gaslight it is very difficult. So yes. we've kind of created these networks across the country. Well, unfortunately, there is an incredible demand. Bubba and I both have talked to medical doctors. We mentioned one already in the podcast, and they truly believe, um, uh, Joel, that this there's so much of this that, that there will be an entire medical field of doctors that do nothing but treat people who are either, like we said, have suffering from long COVID or uh, an injury directly related to the vaccine. There's that much of it out there that there will be doctors that that's all they do. Doctor, l let me ask you this too. Let's let's assume uh, play play a scenario here. You're in charge. You're the dictator of the CDC, and we have another pandemic coming down the pipeline. How should we handle this next time? Because there will be a next time. Uh, hopefully, it's another hundred years. But you know, we're not always guaranteed that. How should we handle these worldwide pandemics? Actually, follow science next time. Yeah. And, and give us give me the, the brief overview of how that should go about. Right. Well, first of all, early in the pandemic, even before really uh, the, the COVID spread here in the United States, we were shutting down. So, I mean, early on, I'm not an epidemiologist, but we shut down. Remember that, oh, just give me two more weeks. Oh, yeah. That was anti-science. That didn't make any sense. That was an early, very early reactionary, non-scientific shutdown, in my opinion. And then once the infection spreads, I think we have to be open to... Uh, early treatment, uh, other people that are willing to try things that uh, are off-label, like the ivermectin hydroxychloroquine. So I think we have to be open to uh, early treatment that is not really uh, traditionally the norm. Uh, and it just doesn't have to be expensive, you know, pharma 
profiting uh, medicines. And then I think we really need to uh, look at things like natural immunity, which were completely ignored. And, and then I think any treatment plan, whether it be a medication or a vaccine, still has to go according to science and, and, and safety. Again, you know, in healthcare, we have that, you know, uh, in Latin, but I won't say in Latin, but, um, you know, first do no harm. And, and we really have we to abandon that. I think, go back to science next time. Do you think also, and I know you're an orthopedic surgeon, you made that clear, then this, this is outside of your expertise, but we all know this from, like you, as you said, science. When you talk about that what you're afraid is at the root of this really is evil, and one of those things was what you just said. We were actually told to follow the science, and we're always told by, by these, the government, follow the science. But we, we started picking up pretty quick what they really meant is follow our preferred science that we are telling you we accept <laughs> and ignore anybody who opposes us. And squashing anything else. And one of those was, which we have always done, back to your point, Doc, and, and Bubba, you've mentioned it, why did we quarantine the healthy? We, we, we should have quarantined the sick and then used the natural immunity and let the healthy carry on the economy, carry on their lives, and we probably get this thing eradicated quicker, but but it's, it became very apparent through the propaganda that all of you that are getting sick, you're getting sick because everybody won't get in line and take this vaccine. Right. I, Rick, I agree with you. You know, a lot of young people uh, and healthy people should have been out there in the sunlight outside interacting with uh, other people. And you know what we did with some of the, look at what they did in New York in the nursing homes, the elderly. Uh, yeah. I mean, they basically those are death those became death camps so they literally took the highest risk people with covid and stuck them by other high risk people and killed them all so you know i, I you know look at what cuomo did in retrospect uh, you know again I'm while not writing a book animal. telling everybody how good he was doing yeah right. i mean that right. had to be one of the greatest because <laughs> yeah, so some, mess ups of all time some of it just became illogical uh. and then as you said and unfortunately you you have an injury from it when it was obvious the vaccine could not do what they said it could do, they just kept doubling down. It's like everywhere I looked, it was like, get your vaccine, get your vaccine. You're evil if you're not getting your vaccine. Get a booster, get another booster. And the whole time, people are catching COVID and passing COVID who've been vaccinated, and then they start doing, as you said, the gaslighting. Oh, no, no. If they didn't have the vaccine, they would already be dead. Uh, and the vaccine made it less likely they would pass it, you're still better off to have the vaccine even though you're catching it and passing it. If you didn't have the vaccine, woe be unto you what would have happened to you. And it was just a bunch of – it was like a circus. I 100% agree. I, certainly, I'm not an epidemiologist. I'm not a virologist. I mean, I admit, you know, I'm a you know, I'm an orthopedic surgeon. So, uh, but I can just tell you, I, I know enough science as a physician that the way this was the way this was dealt with was what I call anti-science. You know, we're all you know, we're always called when I, we speak up. We're always called you know anti-vaxxers. Oh, and, sure. You know, which hold on, I mean, that's just the craziest thing because you know we try to even get the shot. Uh, the other thing is we're always called misinformation, even when we quote FDA and CDC data. And what I tell them is counter information is not misinformation. I think they are the purveyors of misinformation because, like you said, they just want to uh, push forth their narrative. 
and they call it science, but as as I really hope a lot of your listeners see, it's anti-science. And it's only to support their narrative. We will Don't be- forget. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Uh, I was ahead. just going to say, you know, rem- remind your viewers ever if they want to look into the Tuskegee experiment. Oh, boy. The Tuskegee experiment was run between 1932 and 1972 by the U.S. government down south, treating primarily African treating African-American men with syphilis. And they basically didn't treat them to watch them die of neuro or brain syphilis. And uh, that was a hidden experiment or a science, uh, uh, quote, scientific but secret experiment for 40 years that the government didn't acknowledge till Bill Clinton acknowledged it in 1996. So don't always think our government is always going to tell us the truth. No doubt. We'll come back. We'll finish up this uh, conversation when Rick and Bubba University, the podcast continues. This is the Rick and Bubba Show. Watch more at blazetv.com slash Rick and Bubba. Rick and Bubba, Rick and Bubba. We're back. Dr. Joel Walsgog is our guest, and uh, uh, we have really had a very, very intense conversation with him, and and we got uh, probably about eight more minutes. Doc, real quick, you mentioned ivermectin, Mm -hmm. um, and I know there's been several studies on that drug that were in place and now probably have have wrapped up what what was the final verdict on ivermectin uh, i know it's safe it's been around 40 years um uh, but was it effective against COVID at all so my answer simply is yes okay first of all it is safe as you said bubba the other thing is it has to be used early again I, I'm not saying this, you know, I'm saying this as a physician, but I'm not, I'm not, I don't treat people with COVID, but I certainly know Pierre Corey, who is the big advocate uh, uh, for, for um, ivermectin. But the key is it has to be used early. So what happens is the, the government, the CDC and FDA, who tries to debunk using uh, ivermectin only relies on studies where it's used late after their symptoms. But from my understanding, if it's used within 24 to 48 hours uh, from the onset of your COVID symptoms, ivermectin can be very, very effective at reducing symptoms, uh, hospitalization, and death from from uh, from COVID. But the problem is, is if there was an effective drug on the market like ivermectin, you you can't get an emergency authorization, okay, and therefore you can't get an emergency vaccine rolled out so that's where i think the narrative then turned in in in, during the pandemic to oh that drug's a horse dewormer because it's it's readily available it's cheap it's been around for a long time so the drug companies could not make a big profit on it and to for them to get to that stage they had to declare it ineffective correct and got away with saying something, uh, saying about a drug which got a Nobel Prize. They got <laughs> away with claiming that it was only for animals and of no use. Yeah, uh, and and which I don't know, against river blindness. I, I don't know how they got away with that, yeah. but but I, I'll tell you how because propaganda works. It always has. So let me ask you this question: Now that you're an advocate for those that have been injured by the vaccine, and you clearly told us that the 
CICP program, the government program, has handed out $8,500 to four whole people. Uh, so they're going to use that number. Now, you've got 30,000 that are talking to React 19, but they're going to use that number. Say, well, there's only been four people that really we can think were, were injured by the vaccine. You know, they use this kind of stuff. So what I want to know is, have you been researching these pharmaceutical companies? They got an exemption because we're, again, everybody's terrified and we're in a, a panic. So we give you an exemption to liability. To liability. Yeah. So is there any hope? Of, of anyone being compensated or receiving some sort of judgment, no matter how much evidence comes out when they have that uh, cover? Yeah, so you're right. So everybody in this situation, our healthcare providers, uh, the federal regulatory agencies, the pharma companies, the government, et cetera, are immune to prosecution. So, and that's through what's called the PrEP Act. Right. So when there's a national emergency, the PREP Act prevents any of us, uh, like let's say the injured by the shots, from getting what we say is due process. So is there any hope? Yes. You know, I've been, Brianne Dressen, who's my co-chair, and I and several other members of RAC-19 have been out back and forth to D.C. numerous times. We are in contact with numerous different politicians' office about trying to get legislation to change the compensation away from what it's at in the CICP. Um, we've had a lot of talk for two years, a little bit of action, not much. So I'm cautiously optimistic, if that makes sense. But yep. we need really new legislation to change these whole programs so that these people can be adequately compensated. Believe me, Rick, Rick and Bubba, these people aren't looking for $20 million payouts. They're looking for $50,000 a year or something like that to put bread on their table, to put gas in their car, to help pay for their kids. Um, so do I think there's some hope? Yes. Um, do we need as a grassroots, you know, American community to put pressure on our politicians to change these compensation uh, programs? Absolutely. Yeah. And has anyone and we're, we're getting down to the end, but uh, has have, has anyone officially acknowledged that you took the vaccine and and you were injured so much so that you can't even carry on the way you made a living. Has anybody acknowledged that? Yeah, I have two medical providers uh, that said that basically uh, have said that. Okay, so so that those are hard to come by. So congratulations <laughs> on that. So so I have two. You know, most don't have any, but I have two that have said that. Uh, but really, it it doesn't matter. Right. So. Because, again, I, I got denied from the CICP. Why? You know, because it, they have not yet accepted, according to available medical knowledge and research, that transverse myelitis is caused by the shots. And just because it happened five to seven days later and I was otherwise healthy, they say a temporal relationship doesn't prove causation. I, I agree. But look at the growing body of evidence of all of these neurological complications that are occurring after the shots, and they deny all of them. Well, we all do it here on the show. Anytime a young, healthy person drops, all of us look at each other and go, I wonder if they took the yeah, shot. Did they get the shot? I wonder yeah. if they took the shot. Who doesn't? It's the new normal, right? Yeah. Well, Doctor, we, we appreciate you yeah. coming on with us. Uh, we wish you nothing but the best in your in your health. And in your calls with React 19, we may want to have you back on. I know there's uh, a lot of our listeners and viewers are going to enjoy this, and they may have more questions. Is is there a way? How do they contact you at React 19? 
So a couple of things. Uh, our They can uh, go to our website. It's www.react19.org, R-E-A-C-T 19 or 19.org. Uh, also, please, we, we love your listeners. If they can donate, uh, 100% of the donations that we receive uh, from the show uh, will certainly be donated directly to our care fund. We even created a little text to give, and it's text Bubba, B-U-B-B-A, <laughs> to 50155. I thought you'd like that. I, I looked for Rick, but Rick was already taken. I know. Everybody always grabs Rick. So text Bubba to 50155. 50155. Yeah, 50 I'll put it up. or go to react19.org. Uh, hey, Doc, thanks for taking time to be with us. Uh, I'm so we, we 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 sympathize with the situation you're in, but thank you for taking uh, your mishap and your suffering and putting it into action to try to help others and be an advocate. It is uh, sadly needed, so thank you for that and thank you for being with us today. Uh, and thanks and thanks to each and every one of you for being with us on this edition of Rick and Bubba University, the podcast.